This is the Adventist World Radio, and you are listening to the Voice of Hope. For more information, please feel free to write to us. Our email address is Bible at awr dot org, or you could also call us on WhatsApp at plus one two two four two 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 zero seven seven seven. The national anthem of Dominica begins wave scan today. The international DX program from Adventist World Radio, researched and written in Indiana by Dr. Adrian Peterson, and produced in the studios of WRMI Shortwave in Okeechobee, Florida. I'm Jeff White. You're listening to Wave Scan Edition on WS 750 for release on Sunday, July 9th, 2023. On the program today, the radio scene on the Caribbean island of Dominica, American portable radio stations, and our Philippine DX report. The long history of the island known as Dominica on the eastern edge of the Caribbean has followed the same pattern as most of the other chain of islands in that area. Anciently, Dominica was settled by migrations of tribal people from the nearby mainland areas of North, Central, and South America. Here's Ray Robinson now at the Voice of Hope about the radio scene on the Caribbean island of Dominica. Thanks, Jeff. The island was discovered and named by the famous European explorer Christopher Columbus, who called it Dominica, the Latin name for Sunday, simply because he sighted the island on a Sunday. Then followed the French and English colonial eras, with which came the African slave trade, followed by European colonial development and ultimately by independence in 1967 and 1978. The island of Dominica is 30 miles long and 15 miles wide, with a population of 70,000, which includes a total of 3,000 descendants from the early Carib Indians, identified as the Kalinago people. Some of those people still speak their original language, though English is the official language on the island, and some also understand French. Incidentally, there's a certain amount of confusion in the Caribbean between the names of the two island territories, Dominica and the Dominican Republic. The adjective used to describe someone from or something relating to the island of Dominica is Dominican, the same word as the title for the Dominican Republic. A colourful parrot is the national bird on Dominica, which is endemic to the island and not known elsewhere. Of all the main Caribbean islands, Dominica is at the bottom of the list for tourism, visited only by around 50,000 people annually. During the past 250 years, the island of Dominica has suffered the onslaught of more than 30 major hurricanes, together with a multitude of lesser storms which have resulted in a total loss of life and property damage far greater than can ever be tallied. In fact, one recent news item stated that Dominica is one of the world's most hurricane-devastated territories anywhere. As a consequence of their vulnerability, the government of Dominica is implementing a nationwide project to hurricane-proof their entire island. 
It's intended that all buildings will be sufficiently sturdy to withstand the strongest winds and the stormiest seas, and that roadways and bridges, as well as the electricity and water distribution systems, will all be hurricane-proofed. Where possible, underground distribution will be provided rather than above-ground infrastructure. Interestingly, the radio broadcasting seen on Dominica really began on another island, rather than on Dominica itself. The Windward Islands Broadcasting Service was established on the island of Grenada in 1955, with the intent that radio coverage would be provided for all of the nearby British territories. And thus it was that a major broadcasting service on shortwave in Grenada would become available for direct reception and also for local relay in each of those islands. In 1959, soon after the introduction of the regional shortwave service on the island of Grenada, a small 25-watt medium-wave transmitter on 1530 kHz was installed in Rosseau, the small capital town on Dominica Island. The little relay station in Rosseau was housed in a small, inconspicuous cubicle behind the public library on Victoria Street. Some ten years later, the medium-wave station in Dominica was enlarged, with a set of studios on Victoria Street and a transmitter located at the Hillsborough Estate, nearly ten miles north of Rosseau. Five years later again, on November 1st, 1971, the Rosseau medium-wave station was accorded the distinction as DBS Radio, the Dominica Broadcasting Service. Time check in the studios of the Nation Station DBS Radio. It's uh, five minutes to the hour, five o'clock. Uh, we now cross over to uh, Trinidad and Tobago for live coverage of the ceremony to mark the start of the tenure of the Honorable Prime Minister Roosevelt Skerritt of the Commonwealth of Dominica as chairman of uh, CARICOM. Radio Dominica also introduced an FM service in the same way as in so many other countries and it was used to provide the program feed to the 10-mile distant medium-wave transmitter as well as for direct reception in the nearby local area. Over the years, the official government radio broadcasting service underwent transmitter upgrading and changes of frequency, ending with 10 kilowatts on 590 kHz. That medium-wave service was closed in 2009, giving way to an island-wide network of FM stations. There were also two other medium-wave stations on Dominica, two Christian stations identified as The Voice of Life with 10 kilowatts on 1060 kilohertz and The Voice of the Islands, also with 10 kilowatts on 860 kilohertz. Those two stations were on the air in the 80s and 90s, but they closed their medium-wave outlets early in the 2000s in favour of FM coverage. What we do today will determine how we live tomorrow. Just remember someone somewhere is praying for you. Do not withhold good from those who deserve it. Pastors, we love you. From the Voice of Life Radio. Thank you, Ray Robinson in Los Angeles. And by the way, in case you missed last week's edition of WaveScan, let's just repeat the very sudden news about the closure of KVOH on June 25th. But Ray will continue to be with us here on WaveScan each week, and the Voice of Hope will continue to operate Voice of Hope Africa on shortwave from Zambia, Voice of Hope Middle East on medium wave from Israel, and 99.1 FM, The Ranch, in Simi Valley, California. 
and Voice of Hope Africa will continue broadcasting this program, WaveScan. If you have any questions about the Voice of Hope, you can write to mail at voiceofhope.com. And Ray promises that he will try to answer you promptly. Another shortwave station is about to go off the air for good also. Encompass TV reports that the BBC relay station that Encompass operates in Kranji, Singapore, will cease operation as of July 16th after many decades of service. This will result in a reduction of BBC English transmissions to South Asia. Some transmissions from Kranji will be moved to other shortwave transmitter sites. There's an article in the June issue of the Asian DX Review from India about a crisis affecting amateur radio operators in Ecuador. The Asian DX Review's collaborator in South America, Martin Butera, writes, Arcutel, the Ecuadorian Telecommunications Regulation and Control Agency, recently implemented a fee of $450, and that's U.S. dollars, which is the official currency in Ecuador, for the use and exploitation of the radio spectrum, which it intends to collect from each radio amateur in that country. Added to this, another fee called the value of the rights for granting and renewal of enabling titles of $22.50, which would add up to $472.50, an impossible amount to pay for the Ecuadorian colleagues who are going through one of the toughest economic crises of recent years, running the risk that the hobby will disappear completely in that country. And Martin says, I would like to end with a short text written by the prominent journalist and colleague Arturo Tello, HC2TE. Here are some excerpts from those comments. A little over 100 years ago, Ecuador did not have a voice and data service like we have today. It was with great difficulty that a message was transmitted at a distance and only to certain places. It was then that a group of very enthusiastic people began to experiment with something that was already a sensation in the United States. Ignore borders and have their voices heard from a distance. Amateur radio was born. Few remember the disinterested work, risky but always opportune and efficient, such as 1949, when an earthquake devastated the province of Tungarawa. 1976, a fire south of Guayaquil in the Shell gas warehouses. In 1981, a plane crash in which President Jaime Roldos died. 1982 to 83, during the violent El Nino phenomenon. There, on multiple occasions and places, were radio amateurs. Even now, with all the technology available, the radio amateur has not ceased to be necessary. Every modern system needs electrical energy to function. But if it fails, the communication is finished. Instead, the radio amateur arrives with his equipment, an antenna, a battery, a solar panel, and in a few minutes he is the voice of salvation for many people, as happened in the 2016 Pedernales earthquake. We are not paid to help because it is our vocation. We do it because we love this activity. Radio amateurs are an example of universal brotherhood. Will any young man be interested in being a radio amateur knowing that he must pay $472.50? This is not an activity for the rich, nor to use it and obtain economic benefits in return.
When Alan Graham of HCJB2 in Guayaquil, Ecuador, was here in Okeechobee a few weeks ago, and we interviewed him for WaveScan, we asked him if he could check on the amateur radio situation when he returned to Ecuador. A few days ago, Alan reported the following to us. He said, I was in Loja, Ecuador this past week, giving a workshop at Ondas de Esperanza Radio. I talked to Ralph Borthwick, their engineer, who is a ham operator. He confirmed the fee that Arcatel is assessing. This is very sad, as it is an exorbitant amount for most Ecuadorians. The basic salary there is $450 per month. We'd like to send our greetings to Ruben Guillermo Margenet and all of his colleagues who were recently at a special DX camp in Millaray, La Consulta, in Mendoza, Argentina. Ruben sent some nice pictures of the group and some of their DX campfire food. It looks like lots of fun. The DXers were at the camp from July 1st through the 7th. In India, Jos Jacob informs us that Akashvani Kolkata underwent a major change on July 1st. FM Rainbow 107.0 MHz merged with its medium wave Gitanjali channel of 657 kHz. All Gitanjali channel programs are now heard on 107.0 MHz as of the 1st of July. Separately, FM radio no longer exists. Several other FM radio channels located in different parts of India have also started relaying their other main medium wave channel. Here's a recording of AIR FM Rainbow Kolkata 107.0 MHz with 20 kilowatts. Hello, <laughs> 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 <laughs>
and they've shown that shortwave signals can send this stock price information overseas slightly faster, that is, with less latency than the Internet or other means, enabling people to make quicker financial transactions and make more money. Shortwave station WINB in Pennsylvania has been doing this type of data transmission in the DRM mode for some time now, but it is a controversial topic. Some observers and users of the shortwave spectrum believe that such stations should not be allowed to use shortwave broadcast frequencies to transmit non-broadcast programming, such as stock price data. The FCC has yet to make a definitive decision on this matter. Over a period of seven years or more, running from 1922 to 1928, the Federal Government Department of Commerce in Washington, D.C., issued licenses for a specific category of radio broadcasting stations under the general title Portable Broadcasting Stations. There were some 50 portable broadcasting stations on the air in the United States for varying periods of time back in that era, most of which operated on medium wave, though some were also on shortwave. Here again is Ray Robinson with more on that. Yes, the portable broadcasting stations were on the air for a wide variety of purposes, including, for example, company demonstrations, local relay of a distant mother station, a live program relay from a remote location, the broadcast of special event programming for local listeners, special test transmissions to determine the best location for a new fixed radio station, and just fun activities for those who like to play with the very popular new toy, radio. Some of those portable stations were licensed for short-term usage, while others were on the air for several years before settling down on a desired fixed location. The portable radio stations were installed on trucks, cars, trains, wagons, buses, boats and aeroplanes. The land-based mobile stations that were installed on motor vehicles went on the air from stationary locations, and those that were installed on railway trains, airplanes and boats were capable of on-air transmissions while in movement. The first portable radio broadcasting station in the United States was licensed for use on a special railway train running from Des Moines, Iowa to San Francisco, California and back in May and June 1922. The official licensed location for that portable broadcasting station was the regional head office for the Union Pacific Railway System in Des Moines, Iowa, though the radio usage was aboard a special railway train identified in railway parlance as the Mystic Shrine. The Masonic Lodge planned a large rally of their lodge members at a historic ceremony honouring the construction of their new hospital in San Francisco, and the specially chartered railway train was collecting Masonic passengers all along the nearly 2,000-mile journey from Des Moines to San Francisco. Unfortunately, their massive plans in San Francisco were spoiled with a bout of heavy rains. The portable radio station on the Mystic Train was housed in the special Union Pacific railway car appointed for the usage of the Masonic leader, potentate C.T. Gad. Two transmitters were installed for the radio station, one at 100 watts and the other at 10 watts, and the license call sign was WEAL. The type of broadcasting service offered by radio station WEAL was music, entertainment and information, and it's therefore probable that the licensed frequency was the standard channel 360 metres, or 833 kilohertz. 
The second portable radio station in the United States was station KFBN, which was licensed to the Borch Radio Corporation in California during the third quarter of the year 1922. That station also operated on the standard medium wave channel of 360 metres, 833 kHz. Many of those portable radio stations were associated with interesting historic radio events. For example, in March 1927, there was an international transcontinental foot race running from Los Angeles, California to New York City via the new Route 66, a distance of 3,400 miles. That event attracted nearly 200 runners from the United States as well as from Canada and several countries in Europe and elsewhere. The winner, 84 days later, was Andy Payne, a Cherokee national who received the first prize of $25,000, which enabled him to marry his girlfriend, Vivian Shaddox. A portable radio station licensed with the call KGGM was installed on a passenger motor bus that accompanied the runners. Each evening, station KGGM was on the air with running updates and information about the foot race, with 100 watts on 985 kHz. In September 1925, the Radio Corporation of America, RCA, installed a portable radio station on the ground floor of the Ambassador Auditorium at the Los Angeles County Fair, under the rather appropriate call sign KRCA. This temporary station was on the air for an hour each afternoon and for another hour each evening with 100 watts on 305 metres, 984 kHz. Important broadcasts from KRCA at the county fair were also relayed live over all four regular medium wave stations in Los Angeles. During the following year, 1926, that same small portable radio station, KRCA, was installed at three more consecutive summer fairs in California, in San Francisco, in Los Angeles again, and in Riverside. Another prominent portable radio station back then was station WJAZ, which was owned by the Zenith Radio Company in Chicago. Their small radio station was mounted on the back-covered tray of an early truck and it was driven around the suburban areas of Chicago to evaluate potential medium-wave transmitter sites. That mobile portable broadcasting station was driven also to Escanaba in Michigan to evaluate radio transmission and reception in the pathway of the solar eclipse on January 24, 1925. Another portable radio station also entered into reception conditions during that same 1925 eclipse. The Edison Electric Company's WTAT, or WATT, was loaded onto the Coast Guard cutter Tampa and taken out to sea off the coast of Rhode Island. That portable radio station radiated 10 watts on 244 metres, 1230 kHz. As Jeff said at the beginning, the era of portable radio stations extended over seven years from 1922 to 1928. By the end of that historic era, usage of portable radio stations was no longer necessary, simply because over the years, radio stations had already been installed in smaller communities. The Federal Radio Commission, FRC, required that all portable radio stations should either establish themselves at a suitable fixed location or surrender their licenses by 3 a.m. on July 1, 1928. Many went land-based from fixed locations, but many also left the air. However, there was one interesting exception. 
portable radio station KGIF was licensed in Omaha, Nebraska, with 7.5 watts as a portable radio broadcasting station on 1380 kilohertz. That station was owned by Senator Robert B. Howell, who was earlier the chairman of the Federal Radio Commission in Washington, D.C. It would appear that Senator Robert B. Howell wanted a portable radio station to give him coverage as he campaigned in Nebraska for re-election as a senator. And yes, he was re-elected, so maybe his flea-powered portable radio station, KGIF, did give him the aid he needed. That mini-radio station was officially closed during the next year, 1929. Back to you, Jeff. Thank you, Ray. And now let's go to the Philippines. Here's Henry Umatai with our Philippine DX report. Hello, everyone. Thank dear shortwave listeners. Wherever you are, welcome to the July 9th edition of the Philippine DX. This report number 196. I'm Henry Umatai in Bacolod City, Negros Occidental, Central Philippines. Glad to be back and thank you for listening. I would like to thank the following listeners for sending the reception report most recently. Mr. Richard Lemke in Alberta, Canada, and Mr. Eugene Korniken in Moscow, Russia. To all of you, thank you very much. Reception logs for June 2023. June 4, NHK World Radio Japan on 15280 in Japanese from Yamata at 0732 SIO430. June 4, Voice of America on 12030 in English from Tinang at 1150 SIO343. June 11, FABC Radio 9795 in Vietnamese from Iba Sambales at 11.20 SIO343. June 11, China Radio International on 11.955 in Filipino from Kunming Aning at 11.40 SIO434. June 11, RTIY Limbang FM on 11.665 in Malayalam from Kajang at 0735 SAO 430 June 11 Radio Taiwan International on 13740 in Japanese from Paochong at 0823 SAO 434 June 11 World Christian Broadcaster KNLS on 9695 in English from Angkor Point at 0815 SAO 430 June 18 KTWR Transworld Radio on 11965 in English from Mariso Guam at 1020 SAO 444 June 18 BBC World Service on 15310 in Pasto from Alcila at 1110 SIO430 June 18 Radio Farda on 17690 in Persian from at 0827 SIO444 June 25 Voice of Korea on 13760 in Russian from Kujang at 0805 SIO430 June 25 China Radio International on 12070 in Filipino from Sanyang at 11.47 SIO 444 and June 25 KBS World Radio on 9770 in Chinese from Kim Jae at 11.45 SIO 333. Send us your comments, suggestions, reception lines and informations to pilipinasdx at gmail.com. That's P-I-L-I-P-I-N-E-S-D-X for pilipinasdx at gmail.com. This has been Henry Maday for Wavescan in Bacolod City, Negros Occidental Central, Filipinasang Mabuhay, at maraming salamat po. Thank you, Henry. Folk music from Dominica in the Caribbean ends Wavescan today.
Thanks for listening to WaveScan, the international DX program from Adventist World Radio. Researched and written in Indianapolis by Adrian Peterson. Next week, we return to the radio broadcasting scene in the mountain country of Bhutan in Asia. And we'll have our Bangladesh DX report. WaveScan is heard weekly on KSDA in Guam, AWR relays in various locations, WRMI in Florida, WWCR in Tennessee, Voice of Hope Africa in Zambia, and IRRS Italy. Send reception reports directly to the station you're listening to. Reports for KSDA and AWR sites should go to qsl at awr.org. Other correspondence, not reception reports, can be sent to wavescan at awr.org. I'm Jeff White at WRMI Shortwave in Okeechobee, Florida. Till next week, good listening, everyone. This is the Adventist World Radio, and you are listening to The Voice of Hope. For more information, please feel free to write to us. Our email address is bible at awr.org. Or you could also call us on WhatsApp at plus one two two four two 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 zero seven seven seven. 